Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host, student in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm clinging to life by naught but a gossamer thread. We're all <laughs> focusing sympathy and attention on Glenn this week. I'm sure that'll continue to come up over the course of the episode. Very sick. Joining us, not joining us as much as Glenn, so he doesn't get as much attention, but he's still joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm kind of here. Sure, joining us via the magic of the internet, which is still not as impressive as Jen- Glenn joining us while sick, is Lee Younger, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church. I tried to think of a Jonathan Edwards quote real quick to go with Glenn's Jonathan Edwards quote, but nothing occurred to me. Um, uh, Are we saying it's the sign of a fevered brain to have um, angry Puritan quotes <laughs> at your fingertips? It, it, this is what I'm saying. Uh, people right now are probably saying well it it sounds like glenn has some form of uh you know plague or maybe they're just focusing on how rich and dulcet your tones are this week (laughs) could be but here's the thing to recognize uh a lot of people may be wondering can i get a computer virus from listening to this podcast (laughs) sure that's 100 percent sure no one's wondering that because glenn has a virus right you know can can is that how i get a computer virus right well you know what i thought the same thing sure called up the doctor right you know the doctor didn't really have it you know it's like they you know it's like they didn't have a definitive answer right you know right which kind of is like, uh, you know, maybe we need to sure, sure, sure. look at the science a little more. Let sure. me take a you know? guess on how that conversation went. Doc, I'm uh-huh. feeling, here's the symptoms. I said, well, it sounds like you have, you have a touch of the flu. What right. I do is, you know, get some fluids, get some rest. And you said, right. I understand all that. I'm worried about my credit card information getting stolen by this virus. Right. And they just didn't really have a, there was a lot of confusion and silence on the other end of the line at that point. Yeah. Like yeah, so, when you're sick the way you're sick right now, Glenn, do you have to like reboot a lot? Yeah, you know, totally. Um, I take Nyquil, and then I'm out. You know, Ride the it's green like a hard dragon. Re- it's like a hard reset. You know, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Nyquil is the control alt delete exactly. Of beverages. Right. <laughs> and uh, so you know, uh, uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, who's to say? Well, you know, this is really wrong and immoral given kind of Glenn's weakened state, but I'm just I'm just going with it. Dude, you can totally get a computer virus to get your identity stolen from getting the flu. My sister's boyfriend's buddy's husband, that's totally what happened to him, man. Really? You, like, you won't even believe it, man. I mean, probably, I got this thing, I got this software that uh, you install, yeah. it's going to totally square you right away. Now look, okay. it's not cheap. Right. Okay. Right. It's not cheap. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. But here's what I want to ask is, can you afford not to use this software, given what you're already dealing with? Well, I think I think that you make a strong point. Jed, Look, I, I notice you have a syringe with Norton antivirus written on it. I do. Now I this, don't think that's what that is. This has patented microbots in it. 
Right. And some nanobots. That's what I need. They're going to take care of your virus and protect your identity uh-huh. at the same time. Uh-huh. Here's what I'm saying. You just slide me that credit card. Right. And we'll just, we can just take care of that right now. And, and I bet in a couple days, you're going to feel totally better. And, you, and then I drop trial and, and you just give me that shot right in the behind. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. <laughs> nice. I mean, we could, we could even do that like right now, just live on the podcast. That that's what awesome. you want. Comments some... like that are another side effect of when Glenn is sick. Can, can we, can we figure out how many international <laughs> listeners are trying to figure out what that phrase means i think it's pretty self-explanatory <laughs> when you add shot in the behind yeah. well you know um trow from the uh from uh, the latin uh, from the latin we're doing etymology trow, here sir, <laughs> uh, meaning to uh to deep pants oneself you know i do have to say though dude one clear uh, you know kind of symptom of your illness though is you're yeah. shockingly laid back I, you know what it is, is I'm, I'm too exhausted to be fueled by rage, but there's which no- is normally how things work. Well, sure, but it seems like there's nothing that you're concerned about enough to think that there's any kind of heightened state of alert uh, no. that we need to be at, anything no. we need to be concerned about, you no. know, I mean, just... No, you know, it is what it is, man. That kind of... Well, Matt, I think that kind of marks the first in the history of this podcast. Yeah. Gotta be, at least uh, first going back to the single-digit early dark episodes that no one should be allowed to listen to. <laughs> well, I mean, do we want to just get to the wisdom then? Or? Well, I think we certainly should, but before we do that, I'm going to focus on just a real... Occasionally, well, there will be an emergency at the top, the friends getting the wisdom. Another thing that sometimes want to get out of the way first but doesn't take nearly as long is sometimes people you know send in a nice note, sure. a fun suggestion for... Sure. Like, I'd like to see this type of merchandise, or why have you thought about this and this type of music or whatever? And that's all great. We had a really interesting one come in, and this is from our friend Kristen, who goes by Hope and Heartstrings on Tumblr. She sent a little message to our, our uh, say that, our, uh, sorry, our British Chicago Tumblr that said, just saying, y'all should start a say that dating site. Ooh, I'm pretty sure idea. the folks would dig it. And on that basis, I declare an emergency. Oh, he's caught a second wind. Wait, are you saying there's something so important, so emergent, that it's cut through the fog of your illness and given you a newfound sense <laughs> of priority where you have to talk about it right now before all else? Did I just declare emergency? You did. Jed, I don't I care what they what cost. For. Those acting classes are paying off. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Okay, first of all, uh, we're out there solving right. problems. Yeah. You understand? We're, sure. we're not as many as we create, but we're I, solving some. I'm dealing with microbots right now. Well, you will okay. be once. I think you've you got the, the illness, and Jed has the microbots. I have, my I have, my bloodstream has not enough endorphins. Okay? <laughs> sure, sure. I'm dealing with a lot. Sure. Okay. We're plenty dealing, of in porpoises, not enough endorphins. We we have we have people that that with a big shot podcast. They're right. trying to keep us off the off the off the block. Period. You see what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. Are you saying Tim Keller poisoned you? I, I, That's what I'm hearing. Th- let me tell you what. With his Presbyterianism, th- there's no um, totally depraved answer to that question <laughs> that I can release at this time. But what I what I would like to say is, I think Lynn's caught the eschatology. Yeah, at who Keller? If uh, um, uh, this is what I'm saying. Wait, what was I talking about? <laughs> Dating. Now, Dating with a lot of stuff. Here's what happened. Uh, you look. You were out there trying to meet one another. You say we need a dating service or whatever. 
Well, here's this is the thing number one. We have said from the beginning of this podcast, there is, if you want to date somebody, who's the most dateable human being on the face of the planet? Mm, His name is Matt. Okay. (laughs) His name is Matt. He's he's got uh, the best beard in the world. In the world, he just—he just for the second year in a row beat out Jesus. Better beard than Jesus. Please, okay. uh, I'm about to say, please specify for what? For for just for beat best, out Jesus is not uh, a, it's not a for re- actually best, not actually a positive statement. You know the the best uh, beard at the. Thaddies. Well, sure. I, I think I hear where you're going with this. I think the only thing you can remember in, in your fever-addled state is your own jokes from previous shows. Yes, yes. I think where we're inevitably heading is, yes, launching the Say That dating service, right. but where it's only Matt. <laughs> That's right. It sure, is, rent a Matt. It's a dating service specifically to date Matt. That it is. It is a worldwide, dare we say, galactic-wide sure. search. So... To find the best it, woman in no, the world. No, so so if a, if a woman wants to apply for this dating service, she starts a profile, puts in personal information, and then it goes into an algorithm, I would assume, or something, and then they basically spit back the answer, Matt. That's exactly right. right. But there's one important detail, though, Lee, that I think you missed there, which is she creates an account, personal info, also credit oh, right. card. Right. That's actually really, in many ways, the key thing. Now, does that credit card information go to me? Because that's a different industry. That's not a dating <laughs> site. That's, um, uh, that's something we may not... We've left things we should be talking about on recording at this point. No, no, Matt. You get love. Right. Oh. We get... Paid. Paid, yes. yes. Sweet, um, sweet cashola. and champagne-colored Cadillacs, apparently. Yes. Here's what we're saying is, A, you could do better than Matt. Do you think you're better than Matt? You don't. I mean, you're not better than Matt. Please. Okay. As if. Are? So, right. You want to be dating You're all somebody. better than Matt, let's be clear. We've put, look, we've put Matt on the chopping block. We've said, here he is, come get him. Exactly right. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's we eligible. Get, okay. So again, I think you're thinking of a different kind of block than a chopping block, but that's not a road we really want to go down. It's a race. Yeah, who can get here sure. first? It's a Matt, 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 Matt world. It, it's like thirties jokes. We've we've hidden we've hidden Matt somewhere in the continental United States. Yeah, sure. if you can find him, he's yours. <laughs> Absolutely. You see what I'm saying? It's like a a. a what do you call it? A treasure uh, buried hunt. in a field. It's like a, and you got to rescue him. Yeah, something you know. Yeah, uh, 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 an amazing race. Uh, uh, where, where so, so this is like a scavenger hunt. So, if a let's say you know a a, a lady starts a profile, you know, starts a, a profile on the say that dating website, right. submits a credit right. card information. The say that headquarters mm-hmm. gets paid. And then yes. they, you know, they have to meet at some undisclosed location. There's a everybody's in combat fatigues, and they get their first clue, and they're all on like a a, a global intercontinental intergalactic search for Matt King. That's exactly right. 
That's right. exactly right. Although the key part is the us getting paid part. Yeah. I, also, I'm, probably not so much global as the greater Chicagoland area because we don't have much of a budget at this point. I'm not yeah. really concerned what happens after the part where we get paid. I, I got to be Clearly. honest. Those are details. I kind of tune out after that. You, you know what? You let the little people handle that. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. I think I'm an idea you're just, guy. You're just searching eBay for fur-lined hats. <laughs> this is why we have interns, Jed. Exactly right. Put them on it. Now, I'm going to give a gift to the Christian community right now in this moment. I mean, yep. other than just my story. We're going presence. to stop recording? Sure, sure, sure. Well, not that big a gift. Okay. But Christians love things to feel guilty about. Yeah. That's, that's, true. That. that's like their favorite toy. So, new thing to feel guilty about. Right. When you go and you create your eHarmony, Christian Mingle, whatever account, here's the, here's the thing to feel guilty about is, why haven't you just emailed us to say, can I go out with Matt? Right. I mean, you know, um, what's your problem? Have you thought about dating okay. Matt? Can you afford Maybe to because wait? you have standards, but... Who made you so great? Exactly right. This is this is the thing is probably right now you're sitting and saying, Maybe. You know. Yeah, sure. Uh but while you're thinking about it, somebody's making their move. Have you tried dating Matt? Have you tried dating Matt? Please. So this is what we're saying. Matt Thank- King, don't knock it if you haven't tried it. Okay. Sure. That's our new slogan. It, it, it could I'm be the something. Brussels sprouts of people to date. <laughs> You know. How do you know you won't like it? <laughs> Matt has um, plenty of things you like. Yeah. Um, so I think the, <laughs> the the main thing is... Testing cyclins restraint. <laughs> I'm in a weakened state, and I'm liable to say... We're opening up holes you can drive a truck through. Glenn's just <laughs> holding but, back. But here's what I'm trying to say is... Uh, in many ways, we are a dating site. Right. It's really... It's the long gone. It, it's really... We we just do one guy at a time. Sure, absolutely. You know Once Matt gets married... We'll find somebody else. We'll move on to the next guy. Sure. You know what? Spur of the moment, but I feel like I've got the authority to just make this happen. Go. The next Bridgebox sign-up wins a free date with Matthew King. There you go. I feel I, like there I should would be do many that. terms and conditions to be applied to this. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I let me tell you what. Um, I'm talking about uh, a a a uh, a free pass to the bowling alley of your choice. Oh yeah, oh okay, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, unlimited uh, nacho chips. Sure, you know, with sure. the the really. Yellow cheese, sure, totally, know? absolutely, sure, cheese with a Z uh, and three E's in your in your, your beverage of choice, absolutely. Okay, is Matt going to uh, be dressed nicely? Will, he will. He almost will, never. He, he he's a snappy dresser. Don't well, nice, nice being a very sliding scale. You're saying you and I are chaperone, of course. Well, of course we're chaperoning. Obviously, sure. Okay. Christian, more this things is, Christian love. We're kind of like love. Christian, really. It's courting. Me and Jed will will we will be there, and of course we'll film the entire thing. Of course, so you, have you will be the Statler and Waldorf of that date. Yes, That's right. Now, now of course Hopefully. you you'll have to uh, pay us for the recording. Uh, yeah, obviously. Recording, you know, I mean, this work doesn't come free. I mean, we'll put the, the music with it, and you know, finish sure. it up all nice sure. and stuff. Sure. But I I think we're prepared to do that free date with Matt next bridge box, except for the part where you pay. Well, no, I'll I'll pay. Well, you said you said they have to pay you two. 
Well, they got to pay us for the video. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll cover the bowling trip, but given that the video will be, I'm thinking maybe like ten grand. That that's sure. about what videos cost, sure. right? Yeah. And the bowling is like well, 20 you did call in Peter Jackson to consult. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. We, we we actually have Andy Circus playing the part of Matt yeah. in right. the video. Right. So, so yeah. if you want the twelve hour director's cut of the day, you got yeah. your blocking, your your lighting. There's your a lot key to think grips. about. Uh, your best boy, uh, so on and so forth. It's uh, Gels, uh, you, union dues in Chicago. Jed like gels. I yeah. love, love a good gel. I, I, I got I continuing got continuing our gels. a tradition on this show of continuing to run the list of things until Jed and Glenn are the only two people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is, next Bridgebox sign up gets a date with Matt. That's real. Boom. Say that dating service launched as of this moment. You're welcome, Internet. You're welcome. Hello. Let's play a little game called When Does It Dawn on Jed that he doesn't have the password to see Bridgebox signups, but I do. <laughs> and on I'm the that, only person in this organization who tracks Bridgebox signups. And on that basis, I declare internet dating solved emergency off. Nice. Sure. Well, that would be a fantastic segue into our Bridgebox plug, but for some reason, I'm disincentivized to start plugging Bridgebox too hard. Well, But also... Quick little story. That's the second creepiest thing someone's done about my dating life in the past month. Wow. Really? I'll share. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I'm down. I forget. what This must have been for New Year's. I'm down in Tennessee and at, the, at Triple C down there to mm-hmm. join church, and they call me up as they often do, and I'm down there to give a little update about the ministry we're doing up here. Right. A lot of donors in the room. The church gives just kind of, here, we're all parting to do this kind of work. Here's what we're doing. I tell a lovely story about we had a guy at the bridge who he was a real, like, Making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling drugs, gangbanger. Mm-hmm. He now he's uh, he's trying to do things right. We didn't have any money. He can't buy the kids' Christian gift. We went and got him gift cards. Whole nice thing. Yeah, lovely story. And a, a church lady comes up to me after the whole thing's over, and I'm not going to give her name for two reasons. One, that's kind of unethical. We don't get into the podcast. Two, I don't know it. Okay, okay. <laughs> don't know this person well enough to know their first name. Okay. And they just hand me a piece of paper with right. a woman's name and phone number on it. Nice. Never met this person, obviously. Sure. Right. Don't actually know well enough the first name <laughs> of the person who handed me this piece of paper. This woman's in her 60s. Okay. Right. Just uh, don't know if this is a granddaughter or a friend, something, just a name and a number. Let me tell you what. If someone cares enough about the ministry you're doing to give you an actual person... <laughs> <laughs> I think the least you could do is be thankful. Well, and, here's uh, what we're not clear on, because, again, no other information. This wasn't like, we all assume this means you're impressed with the ministry. Right, thing. Right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Good. Maybe this is the not-nice granddaughter, and Maybe. this is what you deserve. Well, it's uh, we'll never know till we make the call. <laughs> I love imagining how that call would play out. You're just, Hello, this is Susie. I was told to contact you. <laughs> all of a sudden, just, Matt is sling blade. I, not... Th- all the way, not the first time that's happened to me either. I want you to call this random woman you don't know out of the blue and start dating her. Well, yeah. Now, here's what I think would be educational. We figure out a way to rig up the phone to record into the podcast, and we just call the woman up on the show. We should not do that, dude. Well, and just see how it goes. It is a good plan. Unfortunately, I immediately crumbled up and threw away that piece of paper. because That's a smart man right there. You got to get rid of that kind of evidence. When I am on air saying we should not do that. Yeah, that's pretty bad. We should really not do that. But All you know four what of you us wanted do? to call you about dating. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't do that. 
any part of that story. Don't be any of the people in that story ever. But here's what you should do is you should sign up for Bridgebox. Because you get songs and sermons and Bible studies and guest devotionals and all sorts of good stuff based around a question, a burning question, a question the church may not be addressing, not talking about. You get a lot of great stuff on that. Preaching from Glenn and myself. Lee will pop up on there. A lot of music from Lee and Jed. Some other stuff from our friends Pete and Tasha. We've had some guest devotionals from uh, African-American Baptist pastors to Wheaton University professors. This month coming up, we have a young adult author who we've done an interview with the podcast. Raj Paulus wrote a thing for us. Um, what is the February topic, Jed? It's What does it mean to honor my parents? There you go. So a big, big old topic. We take a look at that from every angle. Only $8 a month, and that money... Pardon me, goes to allow us to hire part-time missionaries from the neighborhood to help us in our ministry here in Chicago. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger version that goes to support Lee's work down there in Tennessee with the youth. And uh, that's an exclusive song every month from Lee, fully produced out. He and Jed work on that together. Lots of other behind-the-scenes goodies. So you can get that at missionusa.com slash bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bbly, or email me, matt at missionusa.com, and I'll give you a super-secret link to get both of those $60 worth of stuff for only $12. Can't beat that deal. All right, we're going to jump in our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I will give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question came in to Glenn's blog. Lovely. No, so, as you heard, it's uh, it's very popular. You know, it's uh, you know, it's quite popular, even yeah. in the uh, light of his crippling and mm. inspiring struggle through illness. Yeah, Glenn remains quite popular. That's correct. This came in to UncleGlenn.com. It says, "I thought teaching was where I was supposed to be, but I'm having a really, really rough time. It's my first year student teaching. I'm in a low-income urban area. I pray every day for joy, for love, for patience, for a lot of things." But each day, it doesn't become easier. I want to be faithful in what I've been given, and I feel like all I offer every day is moldy bread. In other words, I'm not a good teacher, but I'm really giving it my all. I ask God to bless my efforts, but I don't see anything. I don't feel like my parents, my prayers, sorry, have been heard. On the podcast, I remember you saying something along the lines of needing God to do what God called you to do, which is to minister to people out of jail, but could you expand on that? Like, what do you do when you fail day after day how do you keep on growing is it possible that i misheard god and teaching isn't for me because of how bad i suck jolly note to end on glenn why don't you start us off yeah i think uh here's the thing is uh, i think we start to question a lot when we feel like we're not good at what we're doing the thing about uh uh being in a classroom environment i can address a little bit uh i think lee also was a secondary ed major along with myself um, I did a bit of uh, student teaching and um, uh, substitute teaching in inner city schools as well, so I know the environment. Uh, I, I did that uh, in the early Cretaceous period, so it was a little bit of a different generation. But uh, I can tell you about that, though. I think there's a tendency, you know, being around other secondary ed majors in school and stuff, I think there was a tendency – for each of us to assume that we would probably be facing a class full of people roughly like ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I was a terrible, terrible student. I was a, I was a scoundrel. I was a ne'er-do-well. I was, a, 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 I was leading the rebellion and causing problems and mayhem and so on and so forth. So when I got into teaching, I assumed that's what I would be, what I would face. And of course I did face a certain amount of that. So I knew exactly how to deal with it and life was great. Uh, but I had, uh, uh, fellow students who were 
you know, squared away and love school and love teachers and love lessons and, hey, give us some more homework and whatever. And they pictured teaching other uh, young people like that when they got into teaching, that that, that that would be the majority of what they would deal with. And they were shocked to, shocked to find out there, there are kids out there that just aren't like that, that they were more the exception to the rule. So I think that may be part of it. It's just a perception of the way that, that you start. Um, and I think uh, it's about, uh, you know, just, and I'm going to kick it around to these other guys, but I think as, as an opening thing here, I think, uh, let's be open to the fact that uh, that just because we kind of stumbled stumbled out of the gate here, um, and that that isn't necessarily a, a problem with your calling or perceiving what's going on or a need to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. pray and have a better attitude. It might be more about having a more realistic attitude or uh, understanding about what's going on or seeing yourself and the students in a different kind of light. Right. Uh, operating more strategically different. So I think that's more what we want to get into. That's absolutely right. Lee, can you expand on that a little bit of uh, just some actual metrics other than your feelings for knowing how you're doing? Yeah, I mean, this is it's, it's an interesting question because th- that first year of teaching, in classroom teaching, is is horrible. I mean, for, for basically everybody that tries to do this job, that, that is a very hard thing to do. Um, one question that I would have for you is, why do you think that you suck at this? Um, is that because it's difficult and it's discouraging, or is that because an actual superior has told you that you're not good at it? My guess is, if I'm just if I'm just going to throw a guess out there, my guess is that you're having a hard time. It's very difficult work, and you don't know exactly what the measurables are yet. You don't know how to tell if you're doing this well. One thing that's really interesting is is that there are times in my job where I feel like I didn't do something well, and then my boss comes to me and says, that was exactly what you what I wanted you to do. And I'll say, but when you look at this, there weren't very many kids at it, or it seemed to fail in this way or that way. And he says, no, you did exactly what I asked you to do, therefore you were wildly successful. My idea failed, but you did what I wanted you to do, therefore you did not fail. And so it's a, it's a really interesting thing. When you look at some of the things that you measure, it might not be, you might not be failing at all. You might be right where you're supposed to be. This is just a really, really hard thing to do. One thing that, one thing that I would do is I would try to find out from people that have been in this business for a long time, from the people that are directly over you, administrators who are evaluating your work, how am I doing? Am I, my perception is that I'm not doing well. Would you encourage me on that, or would you? Do you have some pointers and stuff like that? One of the things about teaching, and this is this is true about a lot of jobs, is that you get a degree to do this thing. You go to school to get a degree to learn how to do this thing. That's actually an apprentice art. It's not really, yeah. uh, it's not really something that you can take a test on and you can do well on the test, and that means you're good at it. Teaching is an apprentice art. And what you want to do is you want to find the person that is the best teacher in your school, and you want to say, hey, uh, I want to shortcut 25 years. Tell me what you do. Tell, tell me your greatest secrets. I want to learn them. And and that's that's the whole thing is you want to find somebody to kind of – to, to kind of, uh, you know, you want to find basically a mentoring teacher and get them to show you how to do it. When I, when I was student taught, I, I was like Glenn, I was in secondary ed 
I student taught my first day of class. I walk into a classroom with 36 ninth graders. And wow. which if you don't know anything about teaching, that is the same thing as uh, lighting yourself on fire. And so that's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. So uh, I walk into a classroom of 36 ninth graders, and the guy that was supposed to be my mentoring teacher said, hey, uh, I'm glad you're here. I just bought a golf course. I'll see you in May. And he left the room. Wow. And so it, I, they just threw me into a tank of piranhas, you know, and, and it was just like, I didn't, okay. I didn't know what to do. I found another teacher in the school, and I would just, whenever we had breaks, I would talk to him. What do you do? What is the thing that you, what, what are your tricks? What are, what do you do with ninth graders? Um, in any kind of, even if you're not a teacher in any kind of job, it's easy to feel discouraged, but do you know that you actually suck at it or are you in the learning phase of it? Yeah. If you're in something that's yeah, an apprentice yeah. art, then find somebody that is like a Jedi master of it and tell, and just get them to tell you all their secrets. And then the last little thing I would say about this, especially with teaching is, Every single classroom is different. Every single group of kids is different. And what I would do, and this is what I do in my job working with young people, you know, not in school, but in a ministry setting is I'm always asking the Lord for just some little, just some little push, some little direction, some little creative idea that's going to get these kids fired up about this thing. Every set of kids is unique. Ask the Lord to give you something creative, something different to fire up these kids and, and try to follow him into that thing. And, and and mainly, mainly hang in there. That's great stuff. Um, one of the things that's tricky about this is there's a couple of things going on in this question. One is, sounds like you don't actually know if you're good at teaching at this point or not. One of the things both Glenn and Lee have pointed to is that it's almost impossible to be a good teacher without having done it, your first yeah. year teaching. I would also add to that, I'm guessing you're probably in America just based on our numbers. And um, if you're teaching in a low-income urban area in America, you're not set up to succeed. Yeah, that's correct. The government hasn't set you up to succeed. The parents haven't set you up to succeed. The school board hasn't set you up to succeed. There's actually no one, literally no one, is a good teacher in <laughs> low-income urban areas in America. That just That's not a thing that exists. It's not a priority societally. But the other thing that's going on here is also, how do I know if this is the thing I should be doing from God calling me to it? Here's a weird thing is you would think those are kind of inextricably linked, but they're not really. Sure. Um, all of us in this podcast, I know, have six, been wildly successful at things we actually weren't supposed to be, we weren't being called to do. Sure. And um, wildly f flaming wreckage level crash into the mountain failed on things we were being called to do yeah and jed i know you guys may not know but jed has had some jobs in the technology sector in um kind of professional media production secular media production that he was very good at but those weren't what he was being led to do and i'm sure, sure. when he started working for glenn there wasn't a lot of immediate success sure so can you talk us through that little bit of maybe not so much the being good at a teacher but how do we what are some clues that this is the way we're being called Sure, sure, I can. And uh, for what it's worth, I just want to echo what Lee said. I'm sorry you're going through a rough time. It, yep. There are few things more discouraging than trying really, really hard at something you care about and not seeing the kind of results that you want to see. And all of us on this podcast can relate to that experience. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing about discerning your calling is it's it's mystical. Um, Western people don't like that. They don't like the idea of something that that 
isn't scientific, but but discerning your calling isn't scientific. It's it's not it, the thing you got the most A's in. Exactly right. It's you know it, it it's the outgrowth of of a relationship, which is intangible and on on some level mystical. Here's why that matters. The thing um, I would definitely agree with Lee in terms of asking the Lord to show you how you know how to you know have breakthroughs with this. But the thing I would also be asking the Lord about is to be able to see what he's trying to show you about you in this situation and what he's trying to show you about your place in this, in in the world through the situation. A a calling is something of a fluid thing and it's, it's not a static thing. There's not, there's this one place you're trying to get to. So just get there as quickly as possible. In, In many ways, your calling is to be, in communication with God on a day-by-day basis and, and responding to what God is, is showing you. I think, are, is God going to want you to be in um, you know, teaching school for the next 20 years? I have no idea. But you are there today, and you will be there tomorrow, and there are things for you to learn in that process today and tomorrow. And I, I think one of the key questions is, are you learning those things? Now, now, some of those things have to do with the actual craft of teaching, but some of those things actually have to do with you as a person. Let, let me give you an example of, of what I mean. I went to school, um, uh, like when I went to college, I went to a very snooty school full of people that were used to getting A's. And, and here's what I saw about my classmates is they discovered they couldn't handle not succeeding. Um, there's, I was in a a program uh, called engineering, which is all math and science. And these were all kids that had been the A student in physics and math their entire life. And they got to this particular school, which is actually a fairly elite school. And you you can't all be the A student. It grades on a curve. Somebody has to be the C student. Mm -hmm. Most people have to be the C student. Most people actually. And the people that became the C students, most of them could not handle that. Um, the, the attrition rate out of that program is shockingly high. Um, you know, a huge number of people drop out of that program and study something else in a, in a different part of the school. They could not handle um, not being the A student. I think one of the things for you to look at in this situation is it says a lot about your character to get up every day and say, I feel like I'm not cutting the mustard, but I'm still going. Right. Absolutely. I- I've actually known a lot of people that went into teaching and quit three months later. They had the same experience as you and they said, screw it, I'm done. I'm, I'm moving to Los Angeles. I'm doing something else. I think it says incredible things about your character that you haven't done that because um, it, most people I knew who wanted to be teachers actually were pretty good at school to begin with, which means they, they're used to succeeding. If you're going into something and you're just seeing nothing but failure, even if that's your emotional reality, these guys are pointing out that may not be objective reality and we want to check on that, but emotionally to you, you're getting up every day and failing, but you're still doing it. That says something about you, and it's something important, and I think we need to start asking, Lord, what is that thing? Maybe it's just that you're a masochist. You just like being hurt, so that's what this is, but I doubt it. Maybe it says you're a person with tenacity and grit and determination. If that's what it says about you, that's really super valuable, and we need to know that, and we need to start asking, Lord, where do you want that character pointed? Before you started this job, you didn't know that you were a person with uh, grit and determination and tenacity. Now you know. Now, maybe that's meant to be pointed at teaching in a low-income school. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's meant to be pointed at something else entirely. But we learned something about ourselves in this process. That is a big part of how you discover your calling, is you learn about who you are, who God's made you. Not just the specific things he's gifted you to do, but the kind of person he's made you to be. And you start talking 
with the Lord about, I see you've built this into me. What do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this determination? I think the more you can have those discussions, I think the more you're going to begin to fluidly discover elements of your calling. That's absolutely right. Lee, you got one more thing on this? Yeah, I thought of it as as Jeb was talking there, and I completely agree with all that stuff that you're learning about your character. And at the same time, just from the other side, it's it's also a good thing for us to mention that you might also get into the middle of this and find out this is not for me. And and it sure. and there is there it, it's it's not it doesn't it doesn't speak of a failure of your character if you realize from the you know from the Lord and from the situation everything that this is we're gonna have a cut and run we're gonna do something different you know so as as you, uh, what I loved about where Jed started on this thing was that that finding your calling is really about living in that relationship with Jesus every day and that's the thing that's so hard yeah. for so many of us we want we want to know. Uh, what music do I listen to? What candidate do I vote for? What what where do I live? Where do I go to church? What what ministry do I do? Is somebody just package it all up and tell me? Just hand me a piece of paper with all the with all that stuff listed for me? But that's not how this goes. What actually happens is we're in this relationship, we're in this conversation with the Lord every single day. And if you get into a situation, maybe you have an administration that's impossible to deal with. This is something that happens a lot, and not just in urban you know, school environments, but sometimes you get into a situation, even in, you know, uh, rural school environments, and that's where I worked, was in rural schools, or in suburban schools, whatever, even in private schools and stuff like that, you can you can be just beating your head against the wall with certain administration or parents or just pressures and stuff like that, and you can find out this is not a healthy environment to be in. And if you have to walk sure. away from an environment like that, that is, again, it's a function of your relationship with the Lord. And if He's calling you away from that, that doesn't... That doesn't speak to a failure on the part of your character or a failure of you as a teacher. It just means the Lord is calling me away from this now. And that's a good thing to, to, you know, to be sensitive to that and to follow that onto the next step as well. It's totally right. Glenn, you want one more thing on this? Yeah, one more little point. I think uh, the thing about us as, as Christians, sometimes we get in an environment where it seems like the main way to endear yourself to your usual social environment is to turn on the sincerity as mm, hard as that possible. That is such a good point. Mm. So that you are <laughs> almost just being you know, sincere Glenn, at me. You know? That just, mm, that point right there, that just really, you know. Mm. You know, it's not like you could fake that. I mean, it's, I just want to make that point famous. You, I just, you just, right now, I just want to bring praise to that point that you just made, Glenn. I want to lift it on high. I want to honor it. Yeah. So if you're in that kind of environment, you think, well, I'm going to go into this classroom full of inner city youth. <laughs> Do you see what's the problem here? Today, we, we just want to teach you calculus today. We just we want to make yeah. it famous. We just want to mm, look at it mm, just today. Yes, yes Lord. Mm. We, we want to integrate. We want to differentiate just yeah, today. Yeah. We just want to make Isaac Newton famous today. We just want to do that. Cosine. You know, tangent. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's not going to work. The thing about walking into a, a, a classroom full of inner city youth is they are searching for your weakness, yeah. so they can destroy you. That's what's going on. <laughs> and you must go in there and show them I am the one you need to worry about. Yeah. I'm not worried about you. You need to worry about me. You don't. You don't know what I might pull. See what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. Uh, you know. But this. This is the. Uh, this is the. That we had to project this. Now, I, I, the, the thing about me, uh, when I was a substitute teacher while I was in school, and, you know, they would call you. I don't know if, if Lee had this, but they would, they would call you at like 4.30 in the morning, 
And you had Great to pick, time to call Glenn. Uh, yeah, you had to call and say, <laughs> pick up and say, yeah, I will, I will take the class and then report at like 6.30 or something. And, uh, well, at 4.30 in the morning, I, I'm just getting home. So, no, I'm not picking up the phone. These were, you know, some wilder years for me. So, I said, you know, I'm not going to, you know. So, I wouldn't pick it up. So, they would put me further down the list. So, I would only get called for the bad schools. And I got so far down, I actually got a, a call to come in for the in-school suspension, which I didn't, at the time, I didn't know what it was. But essentially, instead of kicking these kids out, they just put them all the worst ones all in one room. And the teachers sent all their assignments and they had to just sit in one room and do the assignments. And if they got kicked out of that, they, they were kicked out of school altogether. And... um it was a great idea unless you were the one in the room with them, I guess. <laughs> and I, they put me into that. And I would say within about three and a half minutes, that was the easiest, smoothest, best experience of my life. Uh, part of that was, again, I was one of those kids, so I knew exactly how to, to deal with it or I had an instinct about it. But part of it was an approach where I came in and I said, look, I could tell by the look on their faces, and I'm sure you've seen this, where all of these kids had it in their minds. I, it's too late. I already suck. I'm already a, a failure. I'm already, I'll never be this. And so, so, you know, that kind of, they had that look on their face. I walked in and I said, here's what you need to know. Every single one of you in this room has an A. You are now an A student. You start at A. How does that feel? Just let meditate on it for a minute. You can screw that up. You can be lazy. You can do whatever you want. It's your world. It's your A+. Plus. You, that's what you have. I grant that to you. You give me your full effort. At the end of this day, you're getting an A+. Plus. That's what I'm telling your teacher. That's what we're going to do here. But I want you to think about that. I want you to meditate on that. Get started on your studies. But I would go around to him. Everything I was doing was just instilling confidence. Not, uh, you know, uh, the teaching part of that, you know, I'm sure you could have brought in a better teacher. But just giving them that sense of, no, you got this. You were just stuck on this one little part. Or, you know, let me just explain this one little bit, and then the rest of it you already know, and so on and so forth. And kind of show them and, and, get, and build that confidence in. You know, I'll be here. Come ask me if you need help with that. But get going on that, and then we'll circle back. Make it sort of a teamwork and a partnership and master-apprentice kind of a relationship, all that kind of stuff. And it went great. I loved it. That's how I got into working with juvenile inmates was, was from that experience. So um, maybe that's part of that nugget of, of uh, you know, being very firm with them on one hand, but on the other hand, uh, uh, give, instilling that sense of confidence uh, that, that, you're, that you're not a failure and that uh, your life is going to turn out the way you want it to turn out and that you can do that, and I'm here to help you. Yeah, it's great stuff. Two things I tack on at the end of this. One is to uh, follow up a little bit on what Glenn was saying about that idea of um, coming in and sincering your way out of something. Another thing that is, I was not an education major, but one thing that has carried over all my a lot of my friends who went into teaching and a little bit of their um, disillusionment process with that profession, and these are all people who became teachers, just wasn't what they thought it was going to be, is the... Uh, all the movies where you go in there and you just inspire them and you tell them how Shakespeare was the original rapper. Do you, no, don't do that. Do you and regularly just, ask yourself, how do I reach these kids? Yeah, how do I reach these kids? <laughs> and they just love it because you inspired them because you love this thing so much. Like, 
That ain't it, man. And one of the things that helps, uh, this helps with every job, is you get a job. Every job is a job. Yeah. yeah. So you're talking to four guys who have their dream jobs. There's a lot of days where the job part overshadows the dream part a yeah. little bit. We still love it, but don't get me wrong. So you have to let let your vision of what this amazing after school special this was going to be to is die so you can get a vision of what it really is and see if yes. you want to keep doing that. The other thing, it's a really great point Lee made, I want to double back to about that idea of it's not a failing of character to realize something is not working and move yeah. on. Yeah. That a lot of people waste, and I'm talking about decades upon decades of their life, yep. because they picked something when they were 17, 18. As far as primary school teachers, a lot of people kind of, as we talked about, decide they kind of like school and want to keep doing that. So maybe made that decision when you were 13 yeah. that you wanted to be a teacher. Yeah without knowing what teachers do. Right. And now you're 25 and it's not what you thought it was. And some people just decide, well, I can't be the kind of person who made a wrong choice when they were 14. Yeah. So I'll just live in misery for the next four decades. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what God wants me to yeah. do. That's yeah. character. Purgatory. Well, to, to jump in on that real yeah. quick, what's interesting is that's a distortion of a really good idea, which is to say, um, I know I can hang in there with something you know that's really challenging that I'm not particularly good at, so what else can I point that at? Sure. In, in, in right. other words, everything good in life involves paying dues. Everything good in life involves starting being crappy at it and then building from there. I restrained myself. Yeah, um, good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, the thing about you now is you know you can do that. Um, we're recording this at the end of January, which means you already finished the fall semester. Yep. You made it already half a year. Whether you move on or not, you know that you can hang in there with something tough. You don't actually have to prove that further, but the question is, now that you know that's true about you, where else can you point it? If there was, if you could ask yourself, what's something I would love to do and I think would be amazing, but I'm afraid I'd be terrible at it, you don't have to be afraid anymore because you know you can push through the terrible part. You can deal with that. So just find the thing that you love and are passionate about and start moving towards that. That's the actual good part. Uh, we're, the, the wrong way, as these guys you're saying would be to say oh say something bad about me if i quit on something it's already said something amazing about you you've made it this far now figure out where right. to go with that that's great stuff right move on our next question here it came in anonymously to our email inbox it says how do i know when it's time to end things in a serious relationship what are some legitimate deal breakers when two people are honestly just trying to follow jesus lee wants to start us well off. i'm sort of going to answer your question uh it's a good question but I'm sort of not going to answer it, too, because I, I feel like before we actually look at the details of your question, we need to we need to demystify an idea that everybody has about dating, which is uh, breaking up is not the devil. And um, there's nothing wrong with breaking up. In fact, breaking up is great uh, when it needs to happen. Um, you're saying, what are some legitimate reasons to break up? Uh, <laughs> I can't give you a list. Uh, because look, if you want to break up with somebody, you can, you flat out can, um, when you date somebody, you have not yeah. made a promise. And I think it's very important to talk about this and, and talk about this in a very specific way, which is there's nothing wrong with breaking up with somebody, but please, oh, please, if you're talking about, you know, two people that are following Jesus, please, oh, please do not be a chicken about it. If you break yeah. up with somebody, you know, look them in the eye and tell them, this is why we're breaking up. Be honest about it. Uh, tell, tell them what's going on. And by all means, please, please do not use God as an excuse. I just feel like, uh, I just feel like, I, I just want to work on my relationship with God right now. 
So it's not you, it's God. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's the it's the George Costanza. <coughs> you using it's not you, it's God. It's like uh, oh, if it's anybody, it's me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's one of the things. And I, the number of times that anybody, uh, all four of us on this podcast, have heard that kind of crap. It's it's a uh, it's a deluge. But you know, I just feel like I just feel like I, you know, I just don't understand it. I mean, I really want to be with you, but I just feel like the Lord's calling me away from this relationship. Wow. Please don't use him as an excuse. Um, if you need to break up, if you're not feeling it, if you if there's if the, if something happened and you just you know you're upset about it that somebody broke your trust or what, whatever whatever the reasons are for that you have a legitimate reason to that, to break up with it to break up with a person, just do them the courtesy of being honest about it, say it, and actually break up. Don't do that thing where, uh, you know, especially this is this is especially for folks in high school. P.S. Don't do that thing where you you break up, but then you still just text each other and you still just call each other and you're still kissing yeah. on one another and you just you never let them go kind of thing. Break up, break up, be honest about it and actually break up. That's my that's my soapbox on this thing. That's good stuff. And Glenn, I'd like you to follow on some, a lot of what Lee was saying there about that kind of if you're not feeling it, it's time to move on. It's great if you have a reason, but you actually don't have to have an ironclad justification to break up. Absolutely right. If if you have to ask, it's time. That's the thing is, and I, what you're saying here is, uh, you know, uh, what we're legitimate deal breakers when two people are honestly just trying to follow Jesus. There's a little bit of an implication there that you know, if everyone was trying to follow Jesus, probably you just go ahead and get married and have the perfect <laughs> marriage. Uh, that's in no way true. Uh, the funny thing that happens when you do get married and kind of, uh, you know, get uh, a year or two down the road into that marriage, you learn a whole lot in a very short period of time. Yep. And what you do is you start thinking back at all the old girlfriends you had and ask yourself, what if I had married these any of these gals or even female friends of yours and then you make this noise <laughs> yeah exactly i mean there's you know there's there's one or two you'd say well i think it would work if we had both been a little more mature i mean at the time we we're very young but you look at a number of those old relationships and say you know she was a great gal but there's no way oh, yeah. <laughs> we would one ever of us would be, be dead married. i mean yeah i mean there's just no possible way uh, you know people have personalities that are unique and and sometimes those personalities fit together sometimes they don't and and that's not a a, a, a flaw in character it's it has nothing to do with the spirituality of that situation uh as lee is suggesting i think we take a christian dating uh it, to be sort of a pre-engagement thing that we have <laughs> to have some sort of major justification for getting out of i think it's right. you know because we, we 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 use this term Casual dating. Bum, bum, bum. That's bad. Yeah. And then there's serious dating. And that's good. You're serious. You know, you sit there with a serious face the whole time, I think. You know, um, I hate all that. A lot of talk, talking about you know? stocks and options and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, look, uh, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be, uh, it's not supposed to be life and death from the very beginning. We're, we're not supposed to be locked in some sort of a, Death struggle, or will we, or won't we? Yeah, and it shouldn't be this crazy amount of drama, you know. I mean, it's yeah, just dating, exactly right. It, you should. Yeah, you go out. Here's what it is: you get you get in the car, you go to the soda shop, and you 
get a hamburger and you talk about life and then you go to the picture show and you get the popcorn and whatever. Maybe you're feeling it. Maybe you're, maybe you don't, you see what I'm saying? You know, like, you know, you know, there, there has to be a sense of, uh, you know, how do we work together? How do we click together? How do we communicate with one another? And there's, I think it would be great for you to have an attitude of, you know what? I'd like to try and date, a number of different gals just to see how we get along, see what goes on. And I'm not talking about physical stuff being involved in that at all, but just, you know, going out to the movies, going out to eat or whatever, uh, just sitting and visiting and getting to know one another. If we can't do that, if everything has to be nothing at all and then basically married, right? then you might as well admit, as, as I think Jed has said before, on the podcast that that you are that what you're really looking for is an arranged marriage yeah and then let's just do that (laughs) yeah Uh, because you're you're taking dating as we know it out of the picture uh you're not letting dating do what it's supposed to do it's the end of the date as we know it absolutely jed what do you got on this well um uh, agree with these fellows for sure and i think glenn is right um don't demonize casual dating get to know people but let me address my remarks to where you, you know, you've been dating this person for a while and it's an exclusive relationship and, it's, you know, it's a more long-term thing. This will sound odd, but how do you know when it's time to find a new hairdresser? Think about it for a second. You know it's time to find a new hairdresser when it's no longer working. Um, they charge you way too much right. money. They don't do a good job styling your hair. Uh, it looks weird when it grows out. If they do color, the color looks weird. Um, you make appointments. Also, maybe you're bald. Maybe you're bald. <laughs> well, how do you know when it's time to find a new beard stylist, Glenn? Um, you got to have a beard stylist. Of course. But well, now um, that Alfonso moved out of town, you have to find a new one. You know, you show up for your appointments and they're, <coughs> they're not there. I mean, th- these would all be good reasons to say, I need to find a new stylist. Um, uh, but I think what keeps us from applying that same kind of logic to kind of, again, longer term, more committed relationships, particularly when we're looking towards marriages, I think we resist the idea that these relationships should be accomplishing specific things. I don't think we like that idea. And I think we need to look at that. You know, every other relationship in our lives, you know, the, the supermarket we go to, the, the, the hairstylist that we see, the mechanic, we know what the outcome of that relationship is supposed to be. And we know how to evaluate whether or not it's meeting those needs. Well, the thing is, a good marriage, which is what you're trying to arrive at, is meant to accomplish things. Right. The point of a godly marriage is not to exist in a pink cloud of togetherness. Um, if, if that's what you have in mind, you cannot have a good godly marriage. And not to interrupt you, but you, you'd be looking at this the exact opposite way. In other words, this is how bad does it have to be before we exactly end it. Exactly right. By what you're saying is it's not good enough exactly according right. to the goals that we've set. Exactly right. But in order to evaluate that, you have to know what the goals are. Right. Here are some basic goals of what a, a good and again, we're talking a longer term, uh, probably with older people. This wouldn't be quite as true for people who are 16, but this would be more for people who are a little bit older than that. But you know, a, a more serious longer-term relationship looking towards marriage is you should be um, encouraging one another. You should be bearing one another's burdens. Um, that's physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Uh, you should be serving one another in love. You should be spurring one another on towards a closer walk with Jesus. You should, and this is really key, you should as a team be serving the Lord in a more effective fashion than either of you could separately as single unattached people. 
Now, if you look at your relationship and you say none of that's going on, that doesn't mean that you need to break up, but it does mean we need to reevaluate. We need to ask why are those things not going on? Are we willing to take the steps to where they would be? going on um the happiness lies where those things are going on just so you know give you give you an example the one thing the one great commonality of happy christian marriages is where they're both involved in serving and they encourage each other in that that's that's and and there's a million ways to serve um that's that's everything from you know being in you know a faraway land to um you know helping out with the youth group but i think we want to look at if we're not doing those things, it doesn't mean we have to break up, but we need to evaluate why aren't those things happening. Are we interested in changing that? If they're not happening and we're not both interested in changing it and moving towards that, then it really super is time to look at maybe we just need to end this and move on to other things. That's great stuff. I'll say, I'm guessing at this situation, but this, one of the most common complaints we hear in questions exactly like this, where I think Glenn's right about that kind of idea of when both people are just earnestly trying to pursue the Lord, which I I think in this context kind of means nobody's getting drunk and swearing at anyone. Nobody's, you know, going to the club. It's not, there's not a, you know, there's no, as Glenn just pointed out, there's nothing to put on the divorce papers. But there's one of the common things come as we, as we pointed to is this idea of just personalities that don't really mesh kind of, I'm, you know, one of the common ones you hear from young ladies is he's just not quite motivated in the way I am, which can sound judgy, but a lot of times it just means I'm pretty type a, and he really wants to have a couple hours a week to play Xbox. That drives me out of my mind. That's fine. There's not a value judgment there, but here's the thing. That's not going to change. Yeah. There's nothing exists that is a, a holy and righteous and powerful love enough to overcome the fact that you are incompatible people. Yeah. So I know it sucks to break up, but here's the thing. You're both going to be a lot happier in the long run. (laughs) If you find individuals who are more your own click with what you're naturally like, then spending the next five years silently stewing at each other for not changing everything about your personality to suit this relationship. Yeah. There's this idea that it's, it's very holy to want something, but not do it because of the relationship on some level. That's true. There are sacrifices, but then there's just putting yourself in a situation that's dumb. Yeah. And if you're scared, scared of that thing, it's better for everybody to cut ties. Let me move on to our final question here. Came in anonymously at our Trumbull inbox. It says, I'm a college freshman living at home, with, and my family does not want me to follow Jesus. They have banned me from church, fellowship, and put me in online college. I can't afford to move out either. My family has made it clear. Follow Jesus, and they are cutting me off. I feel like a bird trapped in a cage. I want to scream. I'm Jesus' girl, and I will follow him. I just don't know how to. I will make it financially and emotionally. What can I do in the meantime? Thanks, Jed. Kick us off. Well, we're super, super sorry for yeah. your situation. Yeah, that um, sucks. You know, we we love you. We're praying for you. We've got your back, and we'd love um, for you to uh, send us. This came in anonymously. We'd love for you to send us a note. Even make make a throwaway Tumblr account. But we'd love to be able to talk to you, kind of. Um, just directly or email us say that podcast at gmail.com sure uh, but we'd love to be able to talk to you let me tell you a quick story a couple years ago i had a very very close friend um who was working in a company and uh that person's boss uh called them and said i'd like to move you uh, to another part of the country um uh, it'd be a big step up and not one of the good parts not one of the good parts but it'd be it'd be a promotion it'd be a better job i'd like to do that well 
my friend said, let me think about it. So my friend looked at it, thought about it, prayed about it, uh, talked to their pastor about it, you know, got a lot of good counsel and decided I just, it's not the right move. I just can't, it just, the answer has to be no. So my friend called their boss back and said, I'm, I'm certainly honored. I'm delighted to be considered for the position, but it's just, it's not the right move for me at this point. I need to stay in the area that I'm in. And their boss proceeded to freak the heck out. Uh, I mean, just uh, just blew up. I mean, just it was just a mess. My friend obviously was very upset, and they contacted me and said, "What do I do?" Um, you know, said, "Here's I know this is the last thing you want to hear, but here's where we need to start. Here's thing one: you have been fired. It's not that you're going to be fired. You have been yeah. fired. That letter may not come for another six months." But you have been fired. You need to act accordingly, starting right now today. That means finding a new job, figuring a new strategy. But understand, as of right now, you have been fired. Here's why I tell you that story. You have been cut off. Right. That has already occurred. Right. That has already... They're holding it over your head as a threat to try and, and control your behavior. But you need to understand, it's actually already happened. Every decision that you make from this point, every bit of strategy needs to come from a place of, I receive no financial, emotional, or logistical support from my relatives. Go, starting right now. So I will make decisions on the basis of that. If I happen to have a couple of months of bonus stuff that trickles through because the paperwork just hasn't happened, great. That's good for me. But I'm beginning to plan Based on the fact that I have been cut off, that has already occurred. I think if you can begin to plan and strategize from that place, you can make a good plan. I think if you try and say, what do I do to avoid getting cut off? That will just get you running in circles. And that's actually the thing your family is hoping you will do. They're hoping you won't realize it's already happened and plan accordingly. That's at least where I would start us with this discussion. I think that's a great point. And Glenn, to piggyback on that. So it's time to start making an escape plan like yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, start get out your pencil and piece of paper start making your your plan right now uh and and i i listen we could not be more sympathetic uh to your situation uh some of us on the podcast come from really dysfunctional families nothing uh quite in this vein um, but we've dealt with those kind of conflicts and having to make hard decisions with family uh here's the thing is uh, here's the way I want you to 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 uh, think about is this idea of leverage. You know, yeah. we, we we work with uh, guys in the neighborhood, and and uh, they what they always say is don't ever let anyone ha- get leverage hmm. on you. Yeah, um, there are people in your life that you ought to love, and and that you ought to feel a sense of um, maybe a, a certain type of a human uh, loyalty. Uh, towards where you might feel like, uh, you know, hey, I, I want to, uh, you know, I covet the opportunity to show my thankfulness to this person and so on and so forth. That's good stuff and positive stuff in small doses, and the Lord should always come first. But this is something different. This is leverage. You do what I want or I take something yeah. that you need to survive, which is shelter. Um, uh, you don't ever give anyone leverage over you. That you, you That's just not a way to live that's you know uh now it may take time as jed's pointing out for you to figure that out and uh you may have to kind of go or appear to go along with the program in the short run um and that leads us to another saying from the neighborhood uh, when you think you're getting to me that's what i'm getting to you so uh you know uh, let you know let them think what they will as you make your plans but the 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 
the one thing I'm going to throw uh, the red flag on here is the um, I can't afford to move out right. thing. I hear this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I want you to think of uh, the, the, the best job that you can get now that wouldn't totally interfere with your studies. I want you to go down there. Uh, and, and even if they're not hiring, if you just, the type of job you'd like to have that you would be eligible for and ask them how many, uh, how, how much that job pays per hour. And then, uh, ask them, you know, how, how many hours could I expect to get if I work this job, you go home and write that down. And then I want you to get out your, uh, the, the, the real estate listings for your area and start looking it up. You're going to find if you work in a decent job and you're working that thing, mostly part, uh, excuse me, mostly full-time, and you're willing to get maybe a, a roommate here or there, you can get a really small, really unpleasant apartment in an unpleasant part of town that's not fancy uh, and whatever, but you can live life on your own right. terms. Uh, you're, you're, you're listening to someone right now who's done exactly that. And um, uh, uh, believe me, it was, it was a tough circumstances, but to be free uh, in an emotional sense meant that I was gladly willing to put up with the physical challenges of that. It's a lot more doable. I think than, than you realize it, it, it means that your lifestyle will change. You won't have the money you're used to right. for fun things, but, um, that, that decision has been taken away from you. That's absolutely great. Lee, can you walk us through a little bit more of what those practical steps of moving on? Yeah, absolutely. Be? So specifically, if you are, you're saying, you know, I, I want to do the college thing. The thing that I would do tomorrow or whatever the next weekday that, you know, if you're hearing this on Wednesday, Thursday morning, this is what you need to do is get uh, get the phone number of the bursar's office of the school that you are either going to or want to go to and apply for student loans tomorrow. Um, apply for student loans and right. uh, and and go ahead go ahead and get that in place as you find you know and and you look you don't have to spend it all you know whatever they whatever they allocate to you for this semester you don't have to spend it all because if you like Glenn saying you find a job situation you get it worked out you figure out what you're going to do but even what I would what I would do if it were me is I would find an affordable state school that's in a different city from where my parents live. I would apply for the student loans. I would do on-campus housing, and I would I would get the ball rolling on yeah. all that tomorrow. And here's the thing right. is, you can absolutely do this. You can absolutely pull this off. You can absolutely take care of the, uh, you know, uh, of the uh, of the student loans. You 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 don't have to get you know you don't have to get completely buried under hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans. You can just get a little bit to kind of cushion you from your job. I didn't have the same kind of situation that you're talking about, and I didn't have an antagonistic family, but I did have a family that you know my dad has the kind of a job where he can get hired and go to a completely different place, and all of a sudden uh, the house I grew up in, my parents sold it, and my dad moved you know they they moved you know three states away, and it was. See ya, you know, and now I was 19 years old on my own. And so I was working, I was working some at the church. I was working full time at a grocery store. I was going to school and, uh, and, and I had a roommate and then we wound up having two roommates and we made it work. And that was from the time that I was 19 and, and 
all the way up, baby. And and you can do this. Now, here's the thing, and, and this is this is the thing that a lot of people are uncomfortable. And I, I have such a hard time when young people call and you know tell me my you know, my mom's giving me grief and she's annoying to me, and I'm like, leave. You know, and now now yours this is your question is not annoying because what you're facing is just straight up unkindness, straight up persecution, straight up people being really, really, really uncool. But a lot of times we hear this kind of stuff and it's like, well, I just really don't like where I'm going. Well then leave. Get out of there. You can do it. You can do this. Now, you might have to eat more ramen noodles than you're used to, but you can do this. And you might not get to have, you know, uh, you might not get to put gasoline in, you know, in the fattest car in the world, but you can do this. It's just like Glenn saying, there is a way for you to afford this thing today, and you need to make that move. That's absolutely right. One of the things you're, that we're pointing to, and one of the general ideas, and like uh, both Glenn, Lee, and Jetta said, we get this actually kind of thing right. a lot, not as a severe yeah. an instance as this. Um, I've actually never heard of an instance severe as this on the Christian thing. Like that's, Mm-mm. this is really kind of out there. I want you to know that there, there are families where, you know, the, the family has a very strong stance on specific faiths. Um, uh, yeah, it, it does happen. Yeah. We're not getting the background on this. There's yeah. A lot of times if you were raised strict X and yeah. you pick Y, it gets, mm-hmm. it gets bad, right. bad. Um, one of the things you say, I don't know how I'd make it financially or emotionally. You've heard a lot of good stuff about financially. And again, if you email us, we're happy to help you out on that uh, more and more. Um, you're not getting emotional right. support. Yeah, at all. You've never gotten emotional support. You don't know what emotional support is. Yeah. Because someone who's emotionally supportive doesn't pull this kind of crap. Another thing, go back to Jed's original point of the clock is ticking. Um, if it's not this thing, it'll be something else. That's exactly yeah. right. Right. The next one will be, uh, we want you to major in this. Well, I'm thinking about majoring in this. We'll major in this or we're going to cut you off. Yeah. We want you to live here. Well, I was thinking about moving to this neighborhood. We'll live here. We're going to cut you off. Marry this guy or we're going to... Yeah. This will be never ending. Manipulative yeah. people are never satisfied. And the, uh, as we're picking out weird deals here, as far as the, they put me in online college, that also means they're not worried about your education because... Yeah. Hey, college online is a great um, tool for a lot of people in a lot of places in life. But if you can be a full-time student at a physical college getting actual one-on-one instruction, it's not close. So as all these guys have pointed out, you're not getting any kind of support. Yeah. No support for your future. No support for you emotionally. And I would say also, when you do, when, when you do get this place and when you get in, enrolled in, this, you know, in the school where you're going to wind up and everything – the thing, the first thing that you want to do is to seek out some some campus ministries and some places that you can serve and you can get connected and get some friends and get some support because that's something that you're definitely going to need. And I can tell you, there, I, I have known a lot of people who have come from very unsupportive environments who have found they're the best friends for the rest of their life in those kinds of campus ministries and getting involved in serving Jesus in some way with other people. They find the people who absolutely get them through life together. So that's the once Amen. you get this kind of money and food and roommates sorted out, get plugged into some campus ministries, find out where you can serve Jesus, and make those people your people. That's absolutely great point and also as far as that's that's a great support network to find things like roommates and to find out what's a good campus job that is hiring and is sympathetic so essentially you you are being persecuted for your faith it's in a way that a lot of people who only think that that happens in china don't see that happening but that's what's happening it's not cool we can all point to the bible verse that says anyone who loves their mother and father more than me isn't worthy of me so 
there's not really a choice to be made here. At some point, you will have had enough of your parents and you will go run screaming into the night. Yeah. So start working on that now. Start having a plan. And in the not specifically the person asked the question, but anybody out there is dealing with this kind of thing, which you have to understand is everything in life is a trade-off. It has yeah. what in economics they call opportunity right. cost. Yeah. I did A, therefore I cannot be, be doing B at the same time. And for some reason, we were talking about this before we started recording, specifically in the last five, ten years that we've been working with young people, the opportunity cost of I'm going to live in a crappy apartment with four roommates and do my own thing, somehow that has fallen off the thing of acceptability, which when all of us were in college, that was like, that was understood. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, to not do that was a massive outlier. I think at one point in my college apartment, I think we had six dudes and one bathroom, I think, sure. at one point. Sure. I know yeah. plenty of people who paid $75 a month to rent the couch. Right. Okay. That's kind of the thing we're talking about. So, But that that is a trade-off. You are losing um, comfort. You're losing a certain level of lifestyle. You're losing maybe some safety net, you would imagine. But you're getting an actual some actual freedom, a life to choose where you want. Yeah. And I, I know the student loan number is scary, and it's not a good thing, really. It's not an ideal situation to be ten, twelve thousand dollars of extra student loan debt because you had to live on that. Yeah. But in the long run, believe yes. me, you oh, would go back it. and pay that money. It's no worth question. It, man. So, you know, think about the opportunity costs and you can email us, say that podcast gmail.com. We're gonna close out there. So if you have a question for us, you can email us that same address. You can write in the bridgechicago.tumble.com. You can write in that uh please mention that's for the podcast. We'll do it on this. And uh, we're gonna take out the song this week, and this is from Psalm twenty seven ten, which says that my father and mother is about though my father and mother reject me, the Lord's got me. This is a very cool track. We have the pool house guru mix who normally does like electronica yeah. stuff for us, but this involves some live singing of a call and response song that Jed led at the bridge. So it's a very cool track based on Psalm 2710. That's from Bridgebox. There's a pull out Google track in every month's Bridgebox. You want to sign up at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, free bowling and Christian dating. Take that, Joel Steam Podcast. Nice. Yeah.